0: If you were here last week for the the Easter service, you would be forgiven for thinking that the Gospel of John ends in John chapter 20 because... I mean, this sure sounds like an ending. We get Jesus rising from the dead. We get the Thomas' proclamation. Oh, my Lord and my God. Someone speaks of the divinity of Christ. And then John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I mean, boom, That way, we, we can walk away at that point. And all the other gospels do, the other three gospels, you know, we have four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other three all end like that. They end on some triumphant high note. Mark ends with Jesus' resurrection. Sunday morning, the women go to the tomb, and the tomb's empty. The stone is rolled away, and there's an angel sitting there, and he says to the women, why are you looking for Jesus? He told you he would rise on the third day. He's alive. Go tell his brothers. Right? And they rush out of the tomb and rush back, and that's the end of Mark. Matthew ends with the great commission when Jesus tells his disciples what we say all the time, go into all the world and make disciples. Luke goes even a little further and actually tells us about how Jesus, after he does this, he ascends back into heaven like literally flies up into the sky. And then Luke says, all the disciples went back into the city and they rejoiced and they worshiped. The other three gospels all end on this triumphant high note. John doesn't. John is an old man writing 20, 30 years after the other gospels were written. And he has one more story to tell. He has one more thing he wants us to know. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. We are going to read John chapter 21. This is, in fact, the end of the book of John. But this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And the older I get, the more grateful I am for it. So read along with me, John chapter 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, maybe a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one that had leaned against the back of Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, oh, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. So chapter 20 ends, the, the triumphant return of Christ, the resurrection from the dead. That takes place in Jerusalem, the, the capital of Israel, the center of Judaism. We're a, a, who knows how much longer? We're some odd time after that, maybe a week or so. Um, notice where the disciples are. They're back in Galilee. They've left Jerusalem They've left where Jesus is, resurrected, and they've gone home. Most of these guys are from Galilee. They've gone back home. And do you notice what they're doing? They're fishing. They're fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, John, lots of these guys, they're fishermen. They've gone back home and they've gone back to their old lives. This is exactly where we found them. If you go back to John chapter one or any of the gospels, this is where Jesus finds them the very first time. He finds them in boats, catching fish, bringing their boats onto the shore. These guys have been from John chapter one to John chapter 20. Think about everything they have seen, everything they have heard, everything that has happened to them. And in John chapter 21, nothing has changed. They're back home. They're back in their boats. They're back catching fish. Or in this case, not catching fish. They're back at their frustrating, futile lives. Everything that had happened with Jesus, that it doesn't seem to have mattered. I am so grateful for this chapter in scripture because I don't know about you but I am willing to bet a hundred percent for all of us who are followers of Christ that this is true there are high points with God there are incredible experiences there are times when he seems so close and it all makes so much sense and we're so zealous for God And there are times when none of that seems like it makes any difference at all. You can have this incredible experience with God. And then a week or two later, you're back home at your old job, which isn't very fulfilling, and you don't catch very many fish. It's as if nothing has changed. And that's happened to me, and I'll bet if you followed Christ for any amount of time, that has happened to you? These guys have been to the highest of the high. They have seen the tomb with Jesus' empty body. I mean, they've seen and heard things that most of us would kill for. They have seen Jesus walking around alive. They have seen the tomb. We don't even know where it is. We have some guesses. They they know he's alive. They've seen the holes in his hand. They don't believe because somebody told them or they read it like we do. They saw it and here they are week two weeks we don't know how long it's got to be less than a month because jesus is only on earth for 40 days and it's already been at least a week at the end of john chapter 21 a week or two later they're just back at their old lives it's like none of that happened and how does jesus respond to them that they've been through all of these incredible highs with him and now they've gone home, and they've gone back to fishing. How does he respond? What does he do? He goes to them. He's on the beach when they're bringing the boat back in in the morning after not having caught anything. He comes from Jerusalem to Galilee. He meets them. He doesn't call them. He doesn't send messengers to tell him, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? Get your butts back here. I got work to do. And that's what he told him in John 20. I have work for you to do. He says, peace be with you. I'm sending you out. Receive the Holy Spirit. He goes to get them. And when he meets them, what does he do? What does he say to them? Like, they've left. <laughs> they've left and gone home. What What does he say to them? Come have some breakfast. You must be hungry. You worked all night. You didn't catch anything. Let me get you some food. They have walked away and he comes to them and he feeds them. Also, did you notice? He helps them. They're trying to fish and they caught nothing. And he says... I think your net's on the wrong side. Why don't you you flip it on the other side? See what, I I bet there's some fish there and they catch more fish than they've ever seen. More fish than it should be possible. Should have busted the net. They totally failed at being fishermen that night. They've gone back to their old lives and they've totally failed and Jesus makes some wild successes. They are gonna, I mean, they're gonna make a ton of money off of all these fish if they go take them to the market and sell them and be fishermen. He makes them outstanding fishermen. (laughs) And when John says to Peter in verse seven, it's the Lord, that's because we've seen this story before. It didn't happen in John. John didn't record it. Luke did. When Jesus first called Peter and Andrew and John and James, they were coming in on their boats to the beach from a night of totally fruitless fishing. They'd fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus meets them as they come in and he asks Peter a favor. And they've met before. They have a bit of a relationship. He asks Peter, will you row me out? You know, 20 or 30 yards because the crowd's too big on the, on the shore. Uh, they can't hear me. And Peter's tired, but he's like, okay, sure, and they row him back out of the boat. And Jesus teaches everyone, like I'm doing from, from up here down. He uses the water as an amplifier. Everybody can gather on the shore. He's up on the boat. They can all see him. They can all hear him. And he teaches them. And then he says to Peter, you guys didn't catch anything. I think you should go drop your net over there. And Peter humors him, you know. And Peter says, well, okay, we fished all night. We fishermen fished all night but okay carpenter boy I'll just go drop my net over there <laughs> right same thing happens hundreds of fish like more fish than anybody's seen they're like coming up out of the deep into their nets and Peter freaks he falls down on, on his face in the boat for Jesus and he says please leave me I am a sinful man And I don't think he knew exactly what was going on, but he knew that he did not wanna be around whatever it was that was in his boat. And Jesus picks him up and says, Peter, from now on, we're gonna catch people, not fish. And Luke says they dragged their boats onto the shore and they left them and they followed Jesus. And you never see fishing boats again in any gospel until here. They've gone back. They've dragged those boats off the shore, back into the sea, and they've gone fishing again. And it happens again. Oh, guys, you didn't catch anything? Put your net, put your net on that side. And oh, the pennies start to drop. Who it is that can tell you where the fish are. And Peter like leaps in the water, swims to shore. We have no idea. What he says or does. John wasn't there. John's in the boat. They drag it ashore. They all get there. Jesus has a fire. He's brought bread. He's like, I'll bring some fish. Let's have breakfast. And I love this. No one says to him, who are you? <laughs> they all know who it is. <laughs> they know exactly who it is. And I suspect they're all feeling rather sheepish. But they left, they bailed. They they, they were in Jerusalem. Jesus says, I'm gonna send you out. You're gonna be my messengers. And then he disappeared again as he was wont to do. And at some point, I don't know, they got tired of waiting. They got scared. Maybe there was an, you know, people were out looking for him. We don't know what happened. The other gospel writers don't tell us. And John doesn't tell us why they've gone back home. But they've gone back home. And they've gone back to fishing and Jesus comes after them. And he says the exact same thing he said to them the last time. Hey, put your net, put your net over there. You, You wanna be a fisherman? I can help you be a fisherman. No recriminations, no accusations, no condemnation. Jesus comes and meets them. They have deserted him. And he comes to them and his words to them are, you must be hungry. Come have some breakfast. It's all ready. I've got it all here. And then we get this great conversation between Peter and Jesus. And this is one of those places where I feel for the translators. You know, I was in a Bible translation organization for 20 years. Translating words like love is hard. Love is a huge word in English. I can love my dog, I can love my job, and I can love my wife, right? I could love to get a bite to eat. You can Love can mean almost nothing, and love can mean everything. It is this incredibly broad term in English. The language John's writing in, they don't have a word like that. They don't have a word that encompasses pretty much any positive emotion. Hey, you want to get lunch? Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Really, you'd, you'd love to? Like, this is the most important thing, love? You know, they don't have a word like that. They have little words that mean different things. So how do you translate those into English? Like, do you, do you use one word like the text does? Or do you add a lot of words to try and explain it? We don't like adding lots of words when we translate the Bible. But you gotta understand There's no word like love in their language. There's specific words. And Jesus and Peter are using two different words. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word agape. And you've heard me talk about that before. It's unselfish devotion. It's considering someone else's needs more important than your own. It's being devoted to someone and to their good. It's more of a choice in their world than an emotion. Although, of course, emotions come with it. Devotion has an element of emotion to it. But it's devotion. Jesus says, Peter, are you more devoted to me than to these? And we don't know what the these are. It could be the people, but it could also be the things. And I suspect it's the things. I suspect he's pointing at fishing boats and nets and fish and everything. Peter, are you more devoted to me than you are to being a fisherman? Now, what's the answer to that question? The answer, of course, is no. We know that. We saw Peter at the Last Supper when he was loudly proclaiming, Jesus, no matter what anyone else does, I'm with you. I'm your man. I'll die with you if I have to. And a couple hours later, when the Romans show up, he splits and he sneaks in the courtyard where Jesus' trial is going on. And Peter's a northerner and they can tell from his accent. Jesus is from Nazareth in the north. They have northern accents. And people are like, you're a northerner. (laughs) You were with the the northern guy, weren't you? Jesus is a northerner. You were with him, weren't you? Three times, Peter loudly proclaims, I've never seen this guy. The third time, he says, may God strike me dead if I've ever seen that man before. He calls down curses on himself to prove that he's never met Jesus in his life. Peter Are you more devoted to me than to all of this? No, of course not. We all know he's not. And Peter says back to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he uses the word philia, friendship, affection. Peter, are you devoted to me? Oh yeah, Lord, we're friends. Absolutely. Like Peter's finally being honest. All this other time, he's been full of bravado. I'm with you, I'm your guy, I'll never desert you. Peter, are you with me? Are you my guy? Will you ever desert me? Jesus, we're friends. I I like you. That's what we are, we're friends. And what does Jesus say to him? Then feed my sheep. Not what? I died for you and that's it. Philia, friendship. Remember these, Peter? (laughs) You know why those are there? Not a word. Just gives him his job back. Peter, I told you. We fish for people now. Leave the fish in the lake. And then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Agape. And Peter says the same thing back to him. Yes, Lord, you know. Each time he says, you know, <laughs> you know, Philia, you know we're friends. That's what I have to offer. We're friends. And so Jesus asked him a third time and this time Jesus uses Philia. Peter, are we really friends? Really, are, are we friends? And Peter's hurt because Jesus asked him this time, Okay, Peter, you say we're friends. Is that true? Tell me, is that, is that really true? Are we friends? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. Like Peter knows who he is now. Peter knows what he can do. He knows that Jesus knows. You're not fooling him. He's God. We've, they've all realized who this is. You know everything. <laughs> you know that we're friends You know that's true. You know that's all I have to give, but you know I am giving it. We are friends. And each time Peter gives this basically lame answer, Jesus does the same thing. He gives him his job back. Then Peter, take care of my flock. Peter, take care of my sheep. I gave you a job, Peter. Now go do it. And then he tells Peter this interesting story about how he's going to die and glorify God. Now, we don't know if they realized that at the time or if 80-year-old John, I mean, Peter's been dead for 20 years when John writes this. If John's looking back and saying, oh, that's what he meant, we don't know. But John just told us that Peter's gonna make it. Peter's gonna glorify God. Jesus is bringing him back. And he is going to come back. He's gonna glorify God. And then Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Which is exactly what he said to Peter three years ago. Maybe on the same beach, if not somewhere along this coastal shore by by Capernaum. When he said to them, guys, we're, we're going after people, not fish. Come, follow me. He's done exactly the same thing. He did this with them once years ago. He lived with them, died for them, came back to life for them. They have left and gone home. And he comes after them again. And he says exactly the same thing to them Guys, you follow me. And you know, Peter, being human, he tries to deflect it. He does do the same thing we all do. Well, what about him? Right, I mean, come on, it's not fair. If I and, and Jesus says the same thing, he says to all of us, "Yeah, that's not your story, buddy. <laughs> you don't got to worry about him." How many times as a parent have you ever had to say that to your children? Right? This isn't about them; it's about you. And he reiterates it to Peter in the end. Peter, verse twenty-two: "You must follow me. That's what you need to do, Peter. You need to follow. I love." this story. I'm so grateful that this story is in scripture because this is real life. This is what happens. We have these high highs with God. And then a week or two later, it doesn't seem to matter or we crash and burn. We have these times when it's so clear and we're so on fire. And then a little while later, it isn't clear at all and we are not on fire. This is life. I so appreciate that a 70 or 80-year-old Christian looking back on the life of Christ does not end with the triumph of Jesus' resurrection. The much younger guys writing much earlier, that's where they ended, the triumph of the resurrection. But this 70 or 80-year-old man, he's the last. They're all the other apostles have died They've been dead for a while. He's the last one. He looks back on it all, and the last thing he writes in his gospel is about how kind Jesus is. How they utterly failed him. Even after the resurrection, they utterly failed them. Even they when they understood and they knew it and he had explained it to them, they left. They went home. They went back to fishing. And the last thing John tells us is how kind Jesus was to them. No harsh words, no condemnation, no nothing. He comes back and does the exact same thing he did with them before. Literally, he makes them great fishermen. You guys are frustrated about fish? I can solve your problem. They are the best fishermen they've ever been. And then he invites them into something more. He talks to Peter. He lets Peter be honest. I mean, he's not ignoring it. He's not pretending like none of this ever happened. But he's saying to Peter, Peter, what do you got? And Peter's like, this is all I have. All I have is friendship. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. Follow me. If if, if we're friends, if that's what you've got, I mean, Jesus is devoted to Peter. There are holes in his hand that prove that. And Jesus says to someone that he loves, Jesus loves Peter so much more than Peter loves him. And Jesus says to him, hey, come on, let's go. We got work to do. (laughs) We got to get out there. There are sheep to be taken care of. Peter, you need to follow me. Same thing he said to him three years ago. And he doesn't say it, it doesn't seem he says it with anger. It doesn't seem he says it with accusation. It's an invitation. Come on. And do you notice verse 20? Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. They're walking. They're walking away from the boats. They're walking away from the fish. Peter's doing exactly what Jesus said. They've started walking. And Peter's following him. And 16, 17, 18-year-old John, the guy who writes this, all these years later, he's following them too. They're doing it. Peter's doing it again. John tells us, oh, he's gonna glorify, in his death, he's gonna glorify God. You can read First and 2 Peter and see what happens. You can read Acts and see what happens. But John ends his gospel telling us, we utterly failed him. We left, we went home, we went back to fishing and he came and got us. Again, exactly like he did the first time. And they go with him. We know they go with him because when the book of Acts starts, which is literally the next page, they're all back in Jerusalem 30 days later. He brings them all back to Jerusalem and they all get set up and go again. I'm so grateful that John ends his gospel not on triumph. Because when I was 25, that's what I thought Christianity looked like. I thought it looked like triumph strength to strength slowly taking over the world that 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 everywhere we went we took territory for god and we do but we do it like this we do move forward 25-year-old me thought it was just a straight shot. It was a sprint. 55-year-old me knows it's a marathon. And you get turned around and you go two steps forward and one step back. And sometimes you go two steps forward and three steps back. And Jesus meets us and says, you look hungry. Let's have breakfast. Let's talk. You know, do you love me as much as I love you? No, you don't. Am I okay with that? Yes, I am. So let's go. We got work to do. But we got places to go. We got people to see. We got people to catch. That's what God will say to Paul in Corinth. It's like, oh, I have a lot of people in this city. You just park yourself down here. We have work to do. Jesus comes after us when we abandon him and forsake him and walk away and he doesn't complain, and he doesn't accuse, and he doesn't condemn, follow me. Same thing he says. He has to say that to us over and over and over again. Follow me, follow me, follow me, and he does. He just keeps coming to us, and he keeps inviting us. That's why we call ourselves followers of Christ, not succeeders in Christ or winners in Christ or anything like that. Followers, our call is to follow One foot after the other, just like Peter's doing walking down the beach with Jesus, with John coming in tow, because he wants to follow too. He wants to hear what's going on. That's what we are called to do. If you are a follower of Christ, if you name the name of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, then that's what Jesus is asking us to do, just to follow him one foot after another. And as we all know, you don't get to see many footsteps ahead usually. Usually, you know the next thing you're supposed to do and the next thing after that and the next thing after that. And if you are a follower of Christ right now and you are in one of the high times, right? This is great. It all makes sense. It's wonderful. You feel good. You're like, yes, me and Christ, I got this. Praise God. Amen, praise God, encourage everyone else because we're a community and we need each other. But I know some of you are not there. I mean, I know from some of your, personally, I know some of you are not there. And in any room this big, I know lots of you aren't there. Life is hard. These guys saw Jesus come back from the dead and then they went home and went back to fish because that's what they knew. And so that's what they did. And we do it too. And it's okay. Like Jesus comes to get us. He's not gonna leave us. He's not gonna abandon us. When we stop following him, when we start going backwards, he comes after us, just like he came after these guys. He brings us back. If you are down on one of these, if some of you are, one more up here, and some of us are down here, right? It's okay. He knows. I mean, I think that's what Peter's saying to him. Lord, you know everything. You know everything going on with me. You are under no illusions that I agape you. I don't. We're just friends. And Jesus says, okay. Well, then we got work to do, Peter. Let's go, follow me. Like if you are down here and if you are in the, I don't got it. I don't understand it. This doesn't work for me. Just take the next step. You just got to follow. What's the next thing he's asking you to do? Because, wow, this guy will come after you. Because he does have agape for all of us. There are hands in his, there are holes in his hands today, in eternity, in Jesus' kingdom. He still has a hole in his side. He considers it a badge of honor. He loves us so much so much more than we love him. He is so much more devoted to us. He is so much more interested in our good than we are in his. You know, and if you're just at that point where you don't feel like you can move, what's the next step? That's what following is. It's just one step after another. What's the next one step you need to take? And if you are on the up, If it does make sense, if it is good, then do what Jesus said to Peter a couple chapters ago. He said, Peter, Satan is gonna come after you. He's gonna sift you like one of those little squeezy things with flour. But I have prayed for you. And when you are restored, help your brothers. Wow, if you're up, then help your brothers and sisters who aren't. And if you're in the down part, then reach out to other people. What's the next right step? Because he wants you to follow. That's all he's asking us to be, is his followers. And he sure seems like he is okay with abject failure, with repudiation and rejection. This is the guy who asked God to forgive the Romans who were nailing him to a piece of wood. It, whatever you've got, it's enough for him. He, he'll use it. He can work with it. Just keep taking the next step. Maybe it's a big one. I don't know. Maybe it's really tiny, right? Maybe we're walking like this. Just keep taking the next step. He will meet you there. He will come after you, just like he did for this, these guys 25-year-old me thought it was a sprint. 55-year-old me knows it's a marathon. I also know all the times I told him to leave me alone. I know the times I told him, I do not want to be your follower. Leave me alone. And what did he say? No. I know all those times when I said, I'm done, let go of me. And he said, No, I love you. You don't have to hang on to me, I'll hang on to you. What's the next step? You know? If you're up, great, praise God, encourage those around you. Wow, if you are down here, he will come for you. I guarantee it. He came for these guys, he will come for you. Just what's the next step? Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We are so, so grateful. We do not deserve this. I mean, everything Peter said is true. You have agape, devoted love for us. And we are your friends. And scripture tells us that's true. We were your enemies and you died for us. We hated you and you loved us. I have tried to cast you away twice in my life and you have refused. Thank you. I'm so, so grateful that you did not answer that prayer. We are so grateful that you love us, Lord, that you love us so much more than we love you, that you know it, and, and you're okay with it. That you don't call us to be winners. You don't call us to be great. You call us to follow you. And you call us over and over. You had to come back to Peter years later and to say it to him again, exactly like you did the first time. Thank you. Thank you that, that you are so kind. Thank you that John... That's how John wants to end his book as an old man. That's Boy, that's how I want to end my book. Not not all the triumphs, although they are real. They are absolutely real. But the kindness, that you are so kind, that you come after people who desert you and betray you and ignore you and run from you, and you come after them with love. You feed them. You helped them fish well. You bring them back again. Follow me. You give them back their jobs. The job that they threw aside and left. The guy who called down curses on himself. Who dared God to kill him if he was lying. And you didn't. You, You restored him. You gave him back his job. Thank you. We are so grateful. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who just are struggling to take the next step that all all this stuff we talk about in Easter, all this triumph and everyone around them who seems so excited and they are not, and they don't have it. Jesus, I pray you would meet them. I pray you'd come after them, just like you went after Peter, just like you went after John and James, just like you went after all of these disciples. Jesus, I pray for you to be kind to them kind to my brothers and sisters today who just struggle with taking the next step, who struggle with following, who want to walk away and go home and go back to their own lives because it just doesn't seem like it matters Jesus be gracious to them, go after them come after us, feed us just like you did at Passover, you broke the bread and you passed out the wine and then here you are a couple weeks later doing the same thing you're handing out bread and fish Be gracious to us, Lord. You know what we are like. As the psalmist says, you know that we are dust. Be gracious to us, Lord. Remember us. Do not turn away from us, though we turn away from you over and over and over again. Thank you that you love us. That when you said you would never leave us, you were not lying. And you never will. Thank you. Jesus, be gracious to my brothers and sisters who, yeah, they're just at the low points today. It does not make sense. And they do not understand it. And they're just gonna go back home and fish. Go after them, Lord. Find them, meet them. Give them back their jobs. Bring them back. Have them follow you again. Just like you did for Peter. Just like you did for John just like he did for Thomas, just like he did for all these guys. Thank you, Lord. We always say that. It's always true. We will never get tired of it. Thank you. We are so, so grateful. So grateful for the truth that John leaves us with in his gospel, that you are kind to those who fail you, that you are generous to those who do not live up to what we say that you call us to agape love, but we don't have it. And still you love us. Thank you. Jesus, we love you too. It is so much less than what you have for us. But we are your grateful people and we do. And so Lord, we pray as we always do in your name. Amen. If you are not A follower of Christ then can I suggest that you're going to follow somebody in life follow this guy oh my gosh follow a guy who comes after you over and over and over again follow a guy who died for you knowing you would never die for him and who did it with joy follow him because he is worth following so let's remind ourselves as we always do we've set out this meal there are stations at all four corners there's gluten-free down here my right your left I'm going to pray over us and then after I do go get the elements bring them back to your seats go to whichever one is closest to you or has the shortest line and then I'll lead us and we'll take them together I thank you Jesus thank you for the truth of what scripture says you died for us when we were your enemies that you're not responding to us. As John himself will say in his letter, it's not like we loved you and you responded to us. It's that you loved us and you saved us, that we hated you and wanted nothing to do with you. We are responding to you. We remember, Jesus, that you told us to do this when we gathered to remember, and we remember. We remember that you loved us first. That you gave yourself for us first. That you saved us first. That we don't have to do anything to get you to love us. Peter certainly didn't. You already love us. And because you love us, then you call us to follow you. You give us jobs. You have things for us to do. You call us to obey you, but not to get your affection or your approval. We have that already. We do it because you love us, not to receive it. Thank you. You are a wildly generous God. You take risks I would never take. Thank you. We are so grateful. Meet us, Holy Spirit, in this as we take the bread and the cup together and then worship again. Amen.